Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Shake Sales. I'm your host, Maggie, the sales evangelist at Mailshake. And today I'm super excited to talk with Maria Bross. Uh, she is a director of sales development at Revenue.io. And yeah, she's going to be talking to us today a little bit about cold calling. She's a three-time LinkedIn top 100 for sales. She's been in everything from outbound sales, sales enablement, and now leadership. And she just told me a great story beforehand where she actually is still getting on the phone for her team and, you know, picking up if someone's out and, you know, just really having that service leadership there. So Maria, could you take some time to introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah. Thanks so much, Maggie. And, and uh, thanks for having me here today. I'm really excited for the conversation. I've been following you for a long time and, and learning from your posts. And um, yeah, so excited that we get to finally meet in person. But um, yeah, I think you did a great job introducing <laughs> me. I um, My background is has always been in sales. I've been in sales the past decade, um, selling as an SDR, NAE. Um, I've uh, built a sales enablement program from the ground up and then now transitioned into leadership the past two years. Um, now, specifically, I'm a director of uh, sales development at Revenue.io, uh, where we help sales teams just get closer to their goals to, to hit quota and to, to learn um, learn sales because it's so tough what we do. <laughs> um, and so that's what I'm really passionate about is is just helping salespeople hit their goals, um, learn sales and like have it impact not only their work life, but their like their personal life too, um, to become better listeners and um, just better communicators with the people that they care about. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And, you know, you've been in sales for so long and it's really something that you've become passionate about. And it's so funny, mm -hmm. like even I've been in sales for four years and there's always more that we can learn or there's always something that we can get back to. And I know that's something we'll touch on in this conversation and I'm sure you've seen that in your position too, but yeah. cool. Yeah. And I know I follow your content too, and I've listened to some of the podcasts and webinars that you've been on and you talk a lot about call reluctance. So, you know, for those of us out there that might not know a lot about it, could you tell us a little bit more about what call reluctance is and, you know, how you help help your team with that? For sure. Uh, so I still battle with it today. Um, <laughs> I think so call reluctance is just like being nervous, afraid, um, having anxiety about picking up the phone. Um, and it's, I think it's something that that most of us, the majority of us struggle with, at least in the beginning, right? Or if mm -hmm. you start a new role, um, just picking up the phone and just the feeling of like, ooh, this person could reject me. And that doesn't feel good, right? Um, especially if you're not used to it. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I think that that's one big barrier that new salespeople and, and tenured salespeople have to overcome if they're going to be successful in their role, um, just because it is, it is so challenging. Right. Um, but I think it's definitely achievable. You could definitely get past it, um, and, and end up enjoying your role, but it just takes a, you know, it takes a mindset shift. It takes supportive leadership. It takes really good preparation, coaching, training, um, so that, you know, sales reps can feel empowered to pick up the phone or to send that email, have that conversation um, with someone of, you know, that's a C-level executive or someone who's been in their career, their industry for a long time. Uh, mm -hmm. And so it's really important as sales leaders that we do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like some of it is, 
I remember when I first started cold calling and I just wasn't used to, and I feel like it's something that comes up now is like being on the phones in general, whether that be with, you know, people at work or my family members and things like that. And we're kind of in this world of like texting is just easier to get a message across and you don't have the emotions of someone on the other side, like that you're listening to, which I know can be super scary for again, like just things in your personal life. So do you feel like that has some type of play in all of this? Oh, for sure. Especially for, for this Gen Z, like coming in Mm -hmm. selling, like that's what they've been used to. I mean, I'm, I'm a millennial. So like, I feel like I've kind of transitioned. I've done both things. Like I didn't have a cell phone until I think I was a sophomore in high school. I know like my nieces and nephews now they're getting them in like fifth grade. I'm like, what? Yeah. You have a cell phone? You're texting me right now. <laughs> um, so I think like with, with, you know, the folks that are just out of school, you know, recently it's like, it's different because they're not calling to pick up the phone to call their friends. You know, I, I feel like now I'll get a, a phone call from a friend. I'll be like, someone die. Is everyone okay? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's not really typically to catch up. Um, so, so yeah, I think that we're, we are out of practice with, with the phone just in our personal life. And that makes it harder to pick up the phone, um, in our professional life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Cause like you said, it's like when I get a phone call from a friend, I'm like, yeah, are things okay? So it's, <laughs> it's not that normal method of communication for us sometimes, but yeah, it still works. Obviously. I know people try to argue all the time, like cold calling is dead or people try to tell me because I focus more on cold email that cold emailing is dead, but yeah, it's just the approach and how you go about it. It's, it's still around. We all pick up the phone still, we all read emails. So there's no chance of it being dead. It's just, you know, <laughs> yeah. the attitude that you have going into it. Yeah, I think that the, I see that all the time too. And I always kind of laugh. I think it's a little bit clickbaity to say that literally any of those channels are, are dead. I think it's a multi-channel approach and yeah. I will preach that until that no longer works and we have to do something else crazy to get attention of our <laughs> prospects. But, um, but yeah, I mean, most certainly we are booking lots of phone calls or be- meetings over the phone, mm-hmm. building relationships, um, connections over the phone and over email too, um, over LinkedIn, over video, text message, like everything. So I think that's that's what it takes. And I think there's going to be some reps too that are stronger in crafting really great emails. There's going to be some reps that are stronger in having really meaningful cold call conversations. Um but, and also too, I think we have to like define that term of what that means, like what a cold call actually means. Is mm-hmm. it you're smiling, dialing down a list and you don't have no idea who's going to pick up the phone and don't really have a specific reason to be calling them? Like that, yeah. <laughs> that I think is dead, right? Like that's, that's totally do now mm-hmm. in this sort of environment. But, um, but I think like well-researched, prepared conversations that are like, hey, I have a specific reason to be calling you or have a specific reason to be emailing you. Um, that is definitely not dead. We're seeing great results from that. Yeah. And you bring up a good point of like well-researched, well-prepared. And I think mm-hmm. that's where just in my experience, what I see with our own SDRs, for example, or other ones out there is that's where that, that confidence comes, um, mm-hmm. you know, where that call reluctance can go down a little bit because they are prepared they feel good about who they're talking to and they know like, Hey, this person could benefit from, you know, what I'm going to be talking to them about, because I get a lot of people and, you know, there's a lot of similarities between obviously cold email and cold calling. They're obviously Mm -hmm. different, but you know, there's some things that relate there. And I talk with a lot of people of, Hey, really spend a lot of time with the people that you want to reach out to beforehand. Like look at your list of, let's say the 10 people you want to look at today and, 
and think to yourself, like, could this person actually have a conversation about what I'm trying to sell or, you know, taking the next step there. And I think that just comes with that confidence because yeah, we've all been in maybe a position before where the next person we're going to call on that list is like, who is this person? Do you know what company they work at? And that is typically what makes all this outreach pretty scary for people. Yes. I mean, you're, you're spot on, at least from my experience, what was, what was so challenging that about that for me um, in the past. But I think that the more that you know, and it doesn't even have to necessarily be the specific person that you're reaching out to, Mm -hmm. but like if you have a really good understanding of the personas and like the triggers for outreach and like what does status quo look like, what's the frustrating scenario that Mm -hmm. they run into that your product can help address. So I think that that's, that's important to think through with your leadership team. If you're, you know, if you're listening and you're a SDR and AE, um, or if you're a, a sales leader, like you need to prepare your team with that. Um, mm-hmm. Even like have Q and A sessions with those types of ideal prospects. Have them ask them questions um, so that they can really read job descriptions, learn where those yeah. people learn, um, and and I think that that just that converse that understanding of, of those personas of their world, their challenges, their goals, where they're learning, the lingo that they're using, all of those different things can all build up and ha- help, you know, new salespeople have really organic, good, co- meaningful conversations where that they can feel confident going into and saying, hey, I'm calling for this person for a specific reason. I'm calling to help them. And so I can have a lot of conviction in that versus feeling nervous of like interrupting them. Um, and so I, I think that you're spot on. That's exactly where that confidence can come from. It just takes a little bit of, of research and, um, and back work to do that. And, and I think that's how you build the credibility too with them on the yeah. phones, no matter if you just started two weeks ago in sales mm-hmm. uh, or you're, you know, you're there for years. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's being able to have that research in there. And then that's where that, that confidence can come in there, just like you talked about. And I think, yeah, just with this other idea too, I hear a lot. And I remember when I was sitting there as an SDR, that creativity was pretty hard for me because I thought to myself Mm -hmm. like, Hey, you know, the person next to me is booking X amount of meetings with, you know, the script that we went through or the playbook that we talk about here. But I know, it's super important and, and, you know, to get to, for SDRs to try these different things out because, you know, what worked mm-hmm. for the person next to me when I was listening to them, that's like what made them successful and kind of find their own beat with things too. So I know creativity can be a scary subject for SDRs making cold calls. How do mm-hmm. you coach for that creativity? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, and I don't even know if it's, if it's necessarily creativity, um, like you, you see all of these, like, I feel like you'll see a LinkedIn post or, or Instagram posts of like, you know, people sending a cake to get a job offer, yeah. right? Like, I think there was like a Google post about that, of like mm-hmm. printing their resume on a cake and sending it into Google and getting a, uh, an offer that way. So like, those things are all really well and good. Like, I think whatever you need to do to stand out, but that doesn't necessarily always mean that you have to do something completely oddball, right? Or like, or t- yeah. completely off the law. I think where I, th- where I, what I think it's important for, um, for folks that are prospecting to do is just like stand out and create Mm -hmm. being creative is one way to do that. Um, But I think the, 
the easiest way to do that is just be authentically yourself. Mm-hmm. Talk like you're talking to a friend. Use the language that you would. Don't try to like stifle who you are in these conversations in the in the name of like professionalism or mm-hmm. like formalities, right? You hear a lot of like jargon dropped and and different um different <laughs> things like that. It's like just drop the SAT words. Don't try to sound, you know, smart. Just try to like you're talking to to one of your teammates or your sales manager, right? Who want to be professional, but just like not overly formal. And I think that when you're able to like adopt the language that you use in your normal life and mm-hmm. when you're speaking with prospects, then that like that will that in and of itself will help set you apart. And that's it over email too, over the phone, mm-hmm. in your videos that you're sending. Um really like in through any channel it's just like being who you are and um and embracing that and because so much of it is is around tone um mm-hmm. we have a rep on my team who's from alabama and she has like the most amazing thick southern accent and mm-hmm. like she just is completely herself and so confident on the phone and that's not necessarily like a creativity thing but it helps set her apart from you know, the, the scared SDR is picking up the phone and like, mm-hmm. you know, reading from a script. She's just so she goes off script and um, she's really great, meaningful, real conversations. And I think mm-hmm. it's because she's been able to embrace that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you put it the exact great way, because I think a lot of SDRs, they'll join a team and they want to mold to the top player there. Like, and I know that's a lot of, and not in a bad way, but managers will say like, Hey, you know, this person on the team is, and we all see, you know, our CRMs where people are closing the most amount of deals. So we kind of want to be like that person. We want to, you know, get, get some Intel of like, Hey, what are they doing to book meetings? And I think that obviously helps to a certain extent, but I've seen SDRs and I've even done it myself where I try to like copy and paste their style of being on the phone or tone. And it just comes off so uncomfortable for me. And I remember being in that position and I hear other SDRs talk about this too. It's just like, it's like, it has to be that perfect mixture of yourself plus obviously the playbook that your team puts in place for you because it works. But yeah, yeah. having those two different things. I think that's so, it's so important, Maggie. Like, um, I've gotten lost in that so many times because I've said this before. I'm very candid about it. Like sales did not come natural to me. Like I, mm-hmm. when I first started, I absolutely sucked. Like I stumbled over my words. Like I wasn't confident. Like I wasn't listening. Like, you know, I, I really, really struggled. And, um, and I think some of that too, one of the reasons that I struggled was like, I was trying to fit into that mold, mm-hmm. uh, of like whoever the top performer was. And that, that style wasn't necessarily like my style. So I was trying to be somebody I wasn't, which also led to the call reluctance um, because I was trying to hide who I was and it, it just doesn't work. So I think, so I think to sales leaders out there too, like you can't copy and paste, like your team is not like a robot, right? Like, so I think, I think for them, like you have to give them the creative freedom to take your playbook and put it into their own words and their own style um, and so like for my team, I don't even really give them a script for, for the calls. What we do is like, I break down the framework of a successful call of, Hey, like, this is what good sounds like, um, like the different steps of it. And, and then we just like practice in their own words, like chunk out what those different pieces are. Um, and they put in their own words. And, and I think that that's led to the most success, um, for them on the phones. And then also too, like we have libraries of, um, 
you know, some of our top reps, the the meetings that have or the calls that have booked meetings and like that have been successful. But I encourage them to find someone um, maybe more senior if they're brand new um, that has like a similar style to them, mm-hmm. right? Because there's going to be more than one, you know, one top performer. There's yeah. There's probably, you know, I don't know how many, it depends on your organization, but like, there's probably lots of different people that you could learn from. And you're like, Ooh, you know, this person may be at 210% of their quota, but this other person's at 175% of their quota. And they sound like they're sound, they sound a lot more like how I would explain this. So I'm going to try to adopt that. Yeah. That's great. Like, yeah, there's going to be more than top performers out there, but making sure that you're kind of leaning towards a person that may sound like you. And you made a great point. I think it all comes down to, you know, setting up a framework for your team and not necessarily scripts. It's, you know, because all of us do have our own styles, but as long as we stick to a specific framework that's worked for our team and that's worked out there with cold calling in general, that's where that room for creativity or being yourself, mm-hmm. um, and everything's just going to flow a lot more naturally there too. Yeah. I like to give them the data of like, Hey, this, this is what worked. Um, test it, try it out. It may or may not work for you. I don't know. Um, yeah. and they'll come to me. I think when they, like when reps first start, they'll be like, Hey, we have this idea. Um, like, how does this sound? Do you think like, is it cool if we do this? I'm like, yes, absolutely. Like yeah. test it out. Like I, I can't tell you if it's going to work or not try. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think that like, that makes sales so much fun. It Mm -hmm. like, we talked a little bit about creativity earlier, like that, that creative freedom and like fostering that sort of environment is so important as sales leaders. Like you don't want to stifle that because that's Mm -hmm. what makes it fun. That's what helps the team not to burn out. And like, you probably can learn something from your team um, because, you know, we know that a lot of sales leaders haven't picked up the phone in 10 years. So like yeah. something has <laughs> m- might have changed. So like, don't stifle that, give them creative freedom. And if it doesn't work, then cool. Like, let's, let's take a look back. Let's listen to it. What can we learn from this? How can we adjust and tweak and move forward? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's just as valuable as a win is, is finding out what doesn't work. Yeah. Absolutely. And it sounds like, you know, from what you're telling me today, Maria, that you give your, your team a lot of, you know, freedom to be themselves, obviously, but also try things out, which I think is super important as a leader because yeah, there's going to be times you're not on the phone. I mean, it's awesome that you take cold calls for your team, but you're not on the phone as much as them. You might, you know, you might not be the one to be able to test things out or change up processes or messaging or things like that. And from, from what you said to me too, it's like, you have this playbook of what a good cold call sounds like. Um, but as far as like messaging with cold calling, I know sometimes like people will say like intros get stale for cold calling or, Mm -hmm. you know, the way that people close or anything like that, or ask for a meeting, you know, can sometimes need like refreshing. And the same thing happens with cold email. Like what worked for me last year of like, or two years, I would say it's like three years ago now of quick question in an email. I can't use that anymore. And obviously that, that doesn't have to do with the whole framework of a cold email. Like there's still a framework that works, but that's Mm. like some messaging that I tried and didn't work. So to keep like messaging fresh when it comes to cold calling, what kind of processes do you have in place as a leader, you know, to help your team out with that or just to kind of refresh in messages there? Yeah. That's a good question. So again, I think it goes back to the framework. It's like, mm-hmm. cause the frameworks don't get stale necessarily. It's like the, um, I love like 30 minutes of presence club. I listen to a lot of podcasts, like yeah. 
they'll give you like little tips of things that are like kind of funny or like little like tactics and things to say, like what to say. And I think mm-hmm. that's what gets sale. Like you were saying, like the mm-hmm. subject line. Um, and, and that, uh, that I think is like fun and, and different. And then it's like, okay, well wait, especially if you're selling into sales leaders or like marketing leaders yeah. <laughs> that they're listening to the same podcast and they're, they're reading the same things as you are. So it's like, they, they're teaching this, their team that thing. So it takes mm-hmm. a little bit out of it. Um, but anyways, with that said, like, yeah, I, I think it's, it's just all about frameworks. And then also to listening to calls. Like I listen mm-hmm. to so many, so many calls, uh, a day, a week, <laughs> um, and, and annotate them and give feedback. And I learn a lot from, from listening to my team's calls and my own calls as well of like, to keep a pulse on like what our our market like cares about what those those people um are talking about and what's the latest what their challenges are all of those different things um so so i think that that's really important too like i'll notice different different use cases from that or um different problems that we can solve or and and i think that that's that helps a lot too to keep things fresh um and keep things more fun and not feeling so robotic is is that and then also the creative freedom for them to test their own their own talk tracks. Um, mm-hmm. And I encourage them, like our team, our leadership team is so great at revenue. Like they invest so much in our SDRs that like there's multiple SDRs that will like meet with our COO or, oh, awesome. you know, just someone else and be like, Hey, mm-hmm. can I test this, this talk track on you? Can I cold call yeah. you real quick? And like mock role play, they'll give feedback. And it's like, they'll bring that, what they learned back to the team. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just like different perspectives from different leaders. I also encourage them to join like thir- Thursday night sales or Rev Genius mm-hmm. or Pavilion and like learn from people outside of the company. And that also helps keep messaging fresh and what we're learning and, and doing differently. Yeah. Yeah. You, you made really great points there and two that I just want to point out of, yeah, going elsewhere, maybe for that creativity. So encouraging reps to, you know, not that they have to like go study in their off time when they're away from work, but maybe giving them some time like, Hey, while you're looking at your list today or, you know, updating your CRM, why don't you listen to this podcast or things like that? So just finding oh, yeah. things, cause there's so many sales things out there that you can listen to and, and borrow ideas from and test out. And then the second thing is listening back to calls as a leader. And I know, I know it's an important thing for every leader out there in sales to listen back to calls or to read cold emails that are sending out and looking at responses. But it always feels like I was just talking with Mark Akers the other day who works at a Lego. And he always says Mm. that it's as a leader, it's like, it can always wait till tomorrow. It feels like one of those things on your list that, you know, could like wait till the next day because we have all these tools that record things really well, but it is so important to that point you just made of what are people saying? Like you need to have a pulse on there of what your team is doing too. Not that you want to micromanage, but just overall, Hey, like what's the total consensus of the messaging we're using, the sentiment that people are having on the phones. And without that, it's really hard to give that direction or creativity or even like guidance as a leader, I think. So that's awesome that it seems like it's a big part of what you do every week. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I really feel for, for sales leaders that are managing remote teams and don't have the ability to listen to calls and to learn. Um, that's actually why I ended up at revenue. Um, I was so passionate about that issue. Um, that, and that's what we sell. Um, right. is just like the ability to do that and coach in the moment, annotate those calls and, um, and 
find that have the data to find what works. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I think so much of, of this is like going off of hunches of what worked for you and then trying mm-hmm. to create, you know, and it's, it's so well-meaning from sales leaders that I see like, Oh, this is what worked for me. And then like try to just kind of like create little mini me's. Yeah. Um, but I think I have, it's almost like that failure in sales for me was almost a little bit of a blessing because it gives me a different perspective into helping my team where I am not trying to create many meetings. <laughs> like they are going to be way better salespeople than I ever was. Um, so I think like that's almost a little bit of a blessing where I want them to learn. I want to learn from them and from their conversations. Um, mm-hmm. And then my job really is to, to like create this environment where they can learn from each other and for me to like analyze these calls, look at the data and not have to go off of hunches of what I think will work. Um, And in, in any of those examples of, of me giving call feedback or um, feedback where I'm like, I'm going off a hunch. I let them know that too. So -hmm. it's like, Hey, take it or leave it. This is my, my thoughts on this, but like, there's so many different perspectives. And (laughs) um, so it's, it's, it's sometimes tough, but, um, but I'm very lucky and, and grateful that I do most of the time have have data to support um, and, and back that call feedback. Yeah. And that just gives you more confidence as a leader going into a conversation and being able to be vulnerable with it, too, of like, hey, this mm-hmm. might be a hunch that I have, but here's some of the data that I'm getting back from, you know, what I'm listening to here. But yeah, I think it's it's super important, especially in the remote world, it's like, we've needed these tools in the past, but now we really, really, (laughs) really need them because I know, and you probably started out this way too. It's like, I had my manager sitting two seats down from me, listening to what I was saying on the phone. And yeah, it was intimidating, but I learned really quickly of how I could change things that I was doing wrong. And I was thankful for that. And now it's, it's, it becomes a bit more tricky, but not impossible. Um, and it's just a different mm-hmm. shift of technology, which we all have and, um, use, yeah. but yeah, it's just the matter of actually utilizing it and putting it into practice there too. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I come from the generation of like them plugging, like people starting and like you pulling out a bunch of cords out of your cubicle <laughs> and like trying to hook up and figure out like to your, to your phone, like your landline, like, and listen in and then be like, hey, Oh yeah. Or like yeah. writing down for you. And it's like, Oh man, like have we come a long way since that? But, um, but yeah, I think we can do now like the, the virtual version of that. And um, <laughs> gosh, that took me back, Maggie, that, that whole like, what that used to look like. But, um, but yeah, luckily now technology has caught up to that and helps us now in a virtual world. Yeah. Now we have stylish AirPods that we're both wearing (laughs) instead of, I remember just holding like a landline phone and I'm like, this is pretty inefficient for me to like take notes. Now there's tools out there that just lay out the notes for you. So totally. But awesome. Well, it's been great talking with you, Maria. And talking a little bit about how you coach your team with cold calling and creativity and just, you know, that, that confidence that you give them from, from your leadership. And I really appreciate you going through that before we finish up, where can people find you if they want to little, learn a little bit more about cold calling or coaching or things like that? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. 
I don't think I've ever denied a connection request. So um, find me on LinkedIn, connect, message me. Uh, if you want to brainstorm together at Revenue too, sometimes I sit on our chat bot and like talk with our website visitors. So you might get me there also. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I've really enjoyed the conversation, Maggie, and um, excited to hopefully have conversations with your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on here, Maria. And thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Shake Sales. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks, Maggie. Bye.